welcome to Mike and Jeff writing the right. This week, as the as we uh, move out of the Easter holiday, the most uh, holy of holidays for Christians around the world, we've got some topics specifically related to that. We're going to talk about uh, the left's blatant attacks on Christianity um, around the world. We've got some very specific uh, examples we'll get into this week, but we want to talk about um, how that's being played out in China and in countries across the West. We're going to talk about the Georgia election law kerfuffle. Um, and all that's going on with Major League Baseball, Delta, Airlines, and, and everyone else coming out of, uh, against the law. And let's really break down what the, what the law says versus what's being said about the law. I want to talk about the difference between a boycott and cancel culture, because right now they're kind of being conflated as the same thing. And uh, a lot of people on, on the left are saying, see, the right supports cancel culture. Look at the boycotts they're trying to call for of Major League Baseball, etc. We'll get into what the differences are and how the right needs to really play things out to, to do a better job on our end. And we'll talk about vaccine passports, what that means for the country and what it could mean if we move forward with that talk about Christy Nome's executive orders around transgender athletes. And then lastly, we'll get into our nerd topic of the week, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which is out now in theaters across the country, if you have them and on HBO max. All right. Watch on HBO max. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if you've got a theater, go see it. And it's actually a decent big, uh, big screen movie, but we'll get into that later. So, Mike, I want to start it off today. You know, we were talking about this before the podcast with the whole concept of the anti-Christian movement on the left and, and the right kind of, we've kind of laid down and done nothing about it for the last, I don't know, hundred years. Uh, and it's gotten to, a, it's now gotten to a boiling point where I'm going to rattle off a few things and we'll just kind of get into them. But uh, we now had an article come out today that China is to really no surprise of anyone who's been paying attention, uh, locking up Christians and torturing them in uh, secret locations unless they renounce their faith. Um, They've been doing this to Muslims for years. Um, So again, shouldn't be surprising. Um, In Canada, we had a video come out this weekend of a Polish pastor in Calgary, Canada, uh, kicking Canadian officials out of his church, telling them to leave um, because Polish people actually do understand what fascism and authoritarianism is, uh, if you know anything about Polish history, and telling them to get out because they were not going to, he was not going to break up his Easter service. In Great Britain, we saw uh, officials shutting down and a Good Friday mass in a uh, Catholic church in Great Britain. Um, Joe Biden, a quote unquote devout Catholic, managed to mention Jesus Christ a total of zero times in his Easter address while mentioning COVID seven times. Uh, And Reverend Senator uh, Raphael Warnock uh, managed to come out with one of the most blasphemous tweets ever written. So look, I think it's worth talking about what the the trend is here and why this is important to take note of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with all that stuff, we, we can't forget the congressman who said uh, a man and a woman um, going back in um, early January. So yeah. And not only was that, not only was that, that just, there. not only was that just extremely, uh, extremely ignorant and, and, very blatantly uh, trying to be woke. It was, it was just 
It was also dumb because it doesn't understand the definition of the word amen <laughs> or, or the roots of it or anything. It's, it's got nothing to do with gender, but yeah, there, there's. So be it. This is what it means. This for anyone who's wondering. Yes. Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. So let's get into where do you want to start mike i'd like to start with warnock um because you know he he is um for anyone who's not familiar Raphael warnock is one of the two georgia senators that was elected during the runoff um he is a christian reverend by by title um clearly yes. not by by belief and it's far be it for me to under, to speak about anyone else's relationship with god and i i I, I rare, regularly won't do that. Uh, but in this case, I feel like I'm, I'm okay with saying it because this man has, has come out in the past and said, you can't both serve God and the military. Um, and, and has said things denigrating the United States military, the United States government. Now he's a Senator. Well, this past weekend, he decided to, to flip all that on its head and, and said um, that, that, Jesus, that, that Easter is more, is about more than the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that through our own good works, we can all be saved, which mm-hmm. is if you understand anything about Christianity, completely and utterly blasphemous. Right. I mean, that would be more in line with what probably Buddhism that you, you do your works, good works until you um, ascend or is it Buddhism, Hinduism? It's one of them. <laughs> I think, uh, I think that would together. be, I think that might be Hinduism, but I'm not a hundred percent positive because Buddhists believe in reincarnation. I don't believe Hindus do, but I'm not a hundred percent positive. Right. Buddhism is um, you reincarnate until you reach Nirvana. If I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I think that might be correct. But anyway, but, the point is, it's not Christian at all. That's, that's what we're trying to get to. Um, so, so Jeff and I, we, we do a, a Bible study together once a week and it's nice because we have what th- three pastors on there now. Uh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we get, uh, it's, it's a nice, pretty much like mini sermon. Um, but people are also able to, to give their points of view and everything like that. I'm pretty sure if I said that you can get to heaven by good works alone, I will be laughed at and probably removed from the, from the um, Bible study. Uh, I don't know that you'd be removed, but people would definitely want to want to help you understand why that's not the case. And, and look, anybody who's tuning into this podcast today and saying, why are we getting a sermon from these guys? A, we have never been uh, shy or quiet about our faith. Um, and, and we talk about it when we feel it's appropriate for this program. B, the, the reason I, I wanted to bring this up today is it's not just about the, 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 the badness of that tweet or, or the other things I laid out as examples that we'll talk about. It's not just about, you know, what that means as a Christian, because that's probably not why you tune into this program most of the time. What it really is to me is the pervasiveness of, of quote unquote wokeness or leftism that is now, um, it's, it's seeping into every aspect of, of the Western culture and, mm-hmm. and effectively trying to tear it down. That's, I think, the, the problem. Because, again, I could, I could rail, uh, rail against Warnock's tweet or um, what happened in Canada, what happened in Britain, or a number of other things that are anti-Christian. 
for hours. But that doesn't get us anywhere. That's not the point of what I, why I wanted to bring this up. And, and Mike, I know it's the same for you. It's, it's more about the fact that we are seeing more and more people not like it's been, it's, it's, it's always been common that you're going to have people who aren't believers say things that are, um, that Christians are going to view as, bla- uh, as heresy or, or as blasphemous. And that is just yeah, what it is. Yeah. That's the nature but, of discourse. But, so Go at ahead. least with them is through ignorance. It's like, only thing I know about Christianity is what I read on the internet, not a minister who should be teaching it weekly and reading the Bible weekly or probably more than that, honestly, but he should have a deep understanding of what's in the Bible. So for him to say something that's so fundamentally wrong is a huge concern for me. Um, I can't remember if we did this topic or not, but we're, I know we're at least thinking about talking about how you really can't be a, a Democrat and a Christian just through all the beliefs that they want to do. Did we ever, did we ever talk about that one? We, we talked about it a little bit, but this might be a good time to do it. And, and Mike, exactly what you said is exactly why I wanted to talk about this is because it, it's gone from being people who are ignorant to the faith saying things that whether you like it or not, they have the right to say it. And that is the nature of discourse in this country to right. the point where we are now having multiple people who call themselves quote unquote pastors or reverends, because this is not the first or only time I've seen someone in a position like that say something like this. And we're seeing churches um become quote unquote more woke uh and it's yeah well we it's an attack it it's an ago. attack by leftism on the religion itself to make mm-hmm. the religion fit what the left wants it to be rather than what it is and that is where i think for the right it's a problem yeah like we talked about this a few weeks ago about the the church that were accepting a, of um gays or i guess i guess it was all lgbt and then you know five years later they're we're saying like the Bible isn't inherent. It's it's not right. Um, you remember remember exactly what I was saying? That, yeah. Um. So it's the it's the it's, I know it's race point evangelical church in Nashville, um, I believe. And yeah, what they were saying, um, what they were saying is, you know, they went from five years ago marrying LGBT um, people in their church, which, regardless where you fall on the political debate on gay marriage. There is a there is a clear understanding that from a religious perspective, that it is not a Christian belief, right? And and I actually Adam think Eve, that not Adam Steve. <laughs> and, and and look, I'll even say right now, I actually don't think government should have anything to do with mandating uh, marriage. I think that it's a purely church issue. And if you want to get if you're gay and you want to get married, you should not be getting married in a Christian church because that isn't what the Christian people teach and believe. Um, Right. But I don't think that has anything to do with government. So that's been the nature of this debate for years. But yeah, but anyway. even even to that, um, there's a lot of marriages that aren't Christian marriages. You know, there's uh, the ones where you are unequally yoked. That's also not a Christian marriage. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are called marriages in America that Christians shouldn't consider marriages, not not just the LGBT getting married. Yeah, it's and and it really comes down to the simple fact that the government wants to. Ta- I don't want to go off on a, a massive tangent, but it comes down to the simple fact that you know the government want wants to create tax, uh, create different tax brackets based on married or unmarried. And which is, look, I have no problem with gay marriage from a legal perspective because I don't think the government has any place dictating whether or not someone is married. That is a strictly religious ceremony, and 
it doesn't really mean anything outside of the boundaries of that. Because while I have a marriage license with the state, um, it means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this again, gives, gives um, our wives legal opportunity to to kill us off if they if they need to under certain conditions. <laughs> exactly. Get that get that life insurance money. So uh, look, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but my wife's making a, a face right now. So well, I'm kind of concerned. I'm kind of concerned that she didn't say no. She just laughed. She's, she's laughing right now. As I said, I could it, she actually. could kill me. Yes. She'll probably wait at least a little bit until the, until you've got more life insurance and it's more beneficial, but yes. So for anyone, if my life insurance goes up a huge amount and I die the month, the month later, investigate, <laughs> do your due I, diligence. I will follow up. Thank you, Jeff. Someone's got my back. Always. All right. So like I said, I don't want to get off on a Still massive tangent. I'm worried. <laughs> I don't want to get off on a massive tangent here, but the, the, the problem with all of this comes back to um, the example you were giving really quickly on the, on that church is, you know, they, they started there. And then as they decided to become more and more in line with what the left is deeming acceptable, uh, they've gotten to the point where they're saying, well, the Bible isn't the word of God and that Jesus Christ is not the son of God. And, and so you no longer mm-hmm. believe anything that is the foundation of the religion. And again, this is not a, by definition, a religious podcast. And, and I know that people tune into this to listen to our thoughts more on politics than they do on uh, religion. However, where I think it's, uh, and, and, and the occasional comic, maybe, um, where I think it blends and where it's important is when we start to look at, look, what is the culture essentially uh, forcing down our throat now is we are saying that it's no longer acceptable to be, we, we have this view of quote unquote tolerance. And I, I keep saying quote unquote, I need to stop doing that. I don't, I, I regular I don't normally do that. And it's really bothering me today. Um, but we have this idea that everything is about tolerance now, but tolerance and acceptance are not the same thing. And Correct. we, we've gotten to a point where to be, to openly say, I don't agree with something to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God to say that you can only get to heaven through acceptance of Jesus Christ now is somehow intolerant. I I can't say that because that would be offensive to somebody who doesn't hold that view. And so we're seeing people who may be good people at one point, maybe not, I don't know, are throwing that aside to fit in with the left's version of the leftist religion. And this is where I wanted to go with this, Mike. The leftist religion that everything must appeal to the masses and be humanist. It is in the in the um, 16th century, there's a movement for humanism, mm-hmm. right? And that's uh, a, a large part of that is what led to the Protestant Reformation. Um, the, the humanist movement uh, King Henry VIII was a, was a very big humanist. He was also a Catholic. He ultimately obviously became a Protestant, but not through any religious me, uh, necessity, really because he wanted to break divorce. away from the Pope and he wanted to get, uh, he wanted to have control of the church so he could get a divorce. In doing that though, like the, the idea of humanism was, it started by, by giving, value to humanity and in the and the individual and that's where it started but where it quickly got um as we've gotten to the the 20th the 19th and 20th century and and now into the 21st century is that we've taken humanism to an extreme where we have deified the individual Mm 
where you are, you're now your own God. And the le- that is the left's religion. Contrary to whatever they say, the left has two religions and it is quote, it is, it is science. Um, and you, and you, you can, <laughs> what? Thank you. Thank you for the quotes. I appreciate that. It, it is, it is science. Then you can't, you can't ever challenge the all knowing science and it is the individual. Well, and, let's, and, let's back up really quick. The fundamental premise of science is that it can be questioned and evolve constantly. Otherwise it's not science. So that's why I said, thank you for the, the quote, because if you're not constantly questioning science or what you believe then you're not being a scientist, Yes. And, and that is, and thank you, Mike, because as two people who um, spent our, our academic careers studying science, you know, in the application of it, that, that is, that is a a, a fundamental concept, right? That, that science is constantly changing as new information becomes available. But Mm -hmm. the idea that you cannot question science makes it not science. You're believing it in, dare I say it, faith. Um, which is why I say it's a religion for the state and, and the left at this point. But the other piece is I say the individual, but I, I want to scale that back a minute because not the individual in the sense that the individual is imbued with any God-given uh, abilities, talents, or rights. It's the individual only in the sense that you are your own God. You are responsible to do whatever you want to do because everything is okay. There is no right or wrong. Um, but really underneath all of that is the underpinnings of what I think is the important thing here and where Warnick's tweet to bring this full circle comes in is the idea that the state is actually your God, that you as an individual are able to do whatever you want all the time, as long as it's in vogue with what the state and the left is currently saying is okay. And it is not okay to say that you can, you know, you will go to hell if you are not a, if you are not born again. And so it, now you must say that, well, by being a good person, you're okay. You're in the clear. And you say that because you have to validate everyone, everyone else's own belief and opinions about themselves, because by doing that, you, you allow them to empower the state to continue to give them the freedom to do whatever they want. Because as soon as you put restrictions on people, now you are taking away their desire to obey. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a good point, Jeff, that the, the belief that people are good or inherently good, which is the polar opposite of what Christians believe. We believe that we are inherently fallen creatures, and that's why we need Christ to redeem us to, to get that salvation. So if you believe that people are just inherently good, um, one, you probably lived a, a pretty good life, uh, and two, haven't really studied history, but three, you don't understand the, the basic um, principles of Christianity. Exactly. And, and that's the, you know, and, and again, it, it may feel like so, to some people, like we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent, um, yeah, but I, I think it's Easter Sunday. It, exactly. And, you know, we're following up Easter. And on top of that, I, th- I think it's important as we think about how we write the right to remember that what makes America great, what made America great was a foundation and a belief in the divinity of God and in the, in the God-given rights that mankind has and in the, mm-hmm. the value of the individual in God's eyes. And you eliminate that when Wait, you simply yeah. say that God is not all-powerful. When you say that God is not the, the, 
the omnipotent being that he is, then you eliminate the value of God-given rights, which is ultimately the, the end result of this, right? Is, is now you don't have rights. You have, um, you have permissions. Right. And I think that was, that was a really good point, Jeff. Um, kind of the difference between the, the left and the right is that the right believe in God and believe the individual has a spark of divinity. Like we are, we are God uh, breathed. So though we're not gods, we, we should be treated as, um, I'm trying to think of the words I want to use, but yeah, we should be treated as we, if we have a spark of God in us versus the left saying that we are essentially are our own gods. Um, if you pretty much just remove a level um, in the left view, and that's essentially what's, what we have the issue today of, of being inherently good versus you're bad, but you can be redeemed. Um, not through good works, but through faith. Yeah, I think that's a that is a very good message for anyone who, you know, especially following up on Easter. I think Mike said it very well from a, a witnessing perspective. So I appreciate that, Mike. Um, the the other piece that I would add to pull it politically back is it it's there. There's the inherent view, like you said, of good versus bad. But I think the other piece is when you do not believe when you believe that human beings are their own gods. You eliminate the idea of a God-given right, which again, I think extends to the fact what people are saying, well, how you're, if you're sitting there wondering, where is Jeff going with this? How is he connect? How is he saying that by, by deifying the individual, you've taken away, you've given the state power. Well, you've done that because now the idea that you have inalienable rights as defined in the Declaration of Independence, as defined in the Bill of Rights, you've taken that concept away because if there is no God, then you do not have a God-given right. If there is no greater power, then your rights are derived from society. And society derives its rights from the state. So by effectively slowly eliminating God, you eliminate the idea that you have rights you have freedoms and you eliminate that and you become and you get given you get given permissions and you get given um uh, you know things that are granted to you by the government and therefore can be taken away versus the idea that rights are mine and cannot be taken from me by anyone other than the creator and it is the government's job to protect those rights not to decide if i get to use them that's the ultimate thing this follows to and that's why to me it's an important concept because if you look at the soviet union or the chinese communist party both of them have done effectively that in the past, you know, Soviet Union in the past, CCP today have done effectively that. They eliminate God so that they can control the masses because you cannot have God-given rights if you don't have a God. And so the Soviet Union did that and their people had no rights. There was no, there were no rights for the Soviet Union. You could be thrown in a gulag for anything. If you were against the party, if anything they want to do in China, you can be taken from your from your home and put in a concentration camp, put in a secret uh, prison, and tortured until you renounce your faith. And that is because you don't have rights other than what the state decides you have, and you've done something that goes against the state, and therefore you are a villain. Very good points. And I mentioned this last week, but uh, I'll say it again. Um, if anyone wants to understand what's going on more in China, there's a 
book or I got it as an audible called Made in China. Um, it takes about probably seven hours to get through if you do the audible. Um, and it's, I think it's a really good, good understanding because it's, it's kind of like a, I'm trying to think if I want to give away too much of it, but essentially what happened is in, in 2012, a woman was opened up like Halloween decorations and she found like a, a letter written from someone working in one of those um, Chinese prisons that also serve as like factories. So she started doing an investigation and then it starts to follow the, the person that um, she found. But yeah, so it's called Made in China, a prisoner, a SOS letter and the hidden cost of America's cheap goods. So it's a number one new release in global uh, globalization. So something to check out. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Always good to have a good recommendation. I, I do yep. know that I need to, uh, we talked about it, I need to read that. So while we're on the topic of China, Mike, let's talk about China. Because we talked in the past about what China's doing to the, the Uyghur Muslims, um, which, you know, that's just a cultural norm for them. That's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a big deal. Um, but now, the, uh, this morning, there was a report on the Daily Wire um, about Chinese Christians being pulled from their homes and, and normally underground home churches and being put in uh, secret detention centers and tortured for days, weeks, months, even years um, if they choose not to renounce their faith. And look, the reality is Christians have been persecuted and, and people have been persecuted for religion for the history of mankind. So I'm not surprised by this, but the, the reason I bring this up is less so about the the attack on Christianity because that is an issue, but not something that I find surprising from the Chinese and more importantly, not something that we can do much about with this podcast. But what is interesting is if you tie this to what is happening in Georgia, or, you know, if you tie it to what happened over the summer last year or any of the numerous things that you look at what the NBA does with China, what the MLB does with China, and, or even our own government versus how we treat our own citizens in our nation today. So the Chinese are hosting the 2022 Olympics, I believe. Yes, they're currently scheduled to host it. Yep. And so there has been there's been no call to boycott those Olympics. There's been no call for anything to stop due to the blatant genocide. Oh, well, that's not true. The uh, Uyghur Muslims called it called it um, for a boycott at the UN. Just okay, no so cares. I suppose I, I suppose I should rephrase. There's been calls, <laughs> just not anything listened to by anyone in power. There you go. No one cares. This yep. is what's going on. So, you know. We're Joe Biden is not talking about the Chinese doing anything wrong by committing oh, no, no, genocide. No, no, no. He did. He, he, he was asked about it. He said it's just, just part of their culture. Yeah, it's a cultural norm. Mm -hmm. you know, and because, yeah, that and that was, I think, bef right before China said that America has systematic racism and therefore we can't. Um, who are we to, to judge their actual slavery? That is correct. Mm -hmm. The Chinese trashed us like days after he said that. Yep. So, you know, Joe Biden not saying anything against uh, against the the blatant genocide in, in China. Um, the Major League Baseball renewed their renewed a massive contract with China the day before they pulled the All-Star game from Georgia, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, the NBA continues to do uh, camps in China every year is in the uh, Providence where the concentration camps are held. 
I just want to put that out there. Same well, where where um, Mulan was shot. That's what I was about to say. Walt Disney Studios shot the film Mulan in the same province in China where the concentration camps for the Uyghur Muslims are. Um, so that's where this becomes a problem is, A, the blatant hypocrisy of, of everyone in in positions of authority, and B, the fact that on the right, we're not doing anything about this. We are not putting any power behind, look, there, there was an attempt, I will grant, uh, in Congress to get a bill passed to ban the use of slave labor in goods made by Nike and others. Um, that did not pass. And uh, shockingly, Nike spent millions lobbying against it, you know, even though they have a massive anti-racism campaign here in, in America where there isn't that is intention. Jeff, um, as a white person, how do you be less white while also not appropriating culture? Uh, you essentially just have to die. Oh, okay, okay. That was my thought, but I just wanted to make sure getting the getting the white voice on this. And I hap- I'm happy to be the voice for, for the white. <laughs> Perfect. I'm, I'm happy to be the voice um, for this Georgia voting law because people were calling it the new Jim Crow. And, you know, as a black person, that got me a little nervous. So I decided to read the entire bill, um, which is only 98 pages. Yeah. So let's talk about the Georgia, the Georgia voting law, because that did spurn. Um, like I said, you know, China, we're, we're ignoring everything China's doing, but we're pulling things from we pulled the Major League Baseball All-Star Game from Georgia. We've got um, movie studios saying they're going to boycott filming movies there. We've got actors saying they won't film movies there. Um, we've got, uh, Delta airlines who is based in Atlanta, Georgia coming out against it. So let's really talk about what this Georgia voting law says. Yeah. So before we hop into it, I just want to say all the things that they're planning to do is going to affect Democrats the most (laughs) like the MLB. I think, uh, well, one of our, our fraternity brothers did a quick calculation on how many hundreds of millions that, uh, they were going to lose. Um, and then Daily Wire came out and said that Fulton County, which is where the MLB was going to host it, was going to lose a hundred million dollars in um, revenue. Excuse me, revenue from that. And they were talking about moving it to New York with stricter voting laws. But whatever. So Jeff, got a quick question for you. Do you think voting is a right or a privilege? Voting is a privilege. Mm-hmm. That's all you're going to say? Uh, <laughs> voting is, a, it took me a second to answer because I had to think about it. Voting is a, a privilege that I believe you are entitled to by being a law-abiding citizen. So I think as long as you are a law-abiding citizen, it is more or less a, a, a right. Um, but it is not a right in the sense that, and I think we talked about this multiple episodes ago. Um, I think uh, I, I, it's not a right in the way where I view like God given inalienable rights, like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, um, the right to bear arms. Those are rights. The government under no circumstance can infringe upon those rights. Even they do regularly, but they shouldn't, right? They, mm-hmm. they don't have the, the authority to do that. I do believe the they have the authority to take away your privilege of voting, which is why I would call it a privilege, not a right. But if you are a law-abiding citizen, then I do believe 
that that privilege should be given to you unrestricted. Cool. Cool. So my, my general view is that it's, it's not a right as well. I think it's a privilege of being under a government that values uh, democracy. And I say it that way because voting rights aren't universal around the world for one, for all governments. And obviously they're not an inalienable right because an inalienable right is rights that you have um, when no one's around. Yes. So there's really no point in voting in a government when there's no government. So that's why I think it's a privilege as well. Uh, one could dream. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into this Georgia bill, the new Jim Crow, as it was listed. Um, so I guess the first thing I want to point out is that this was not created because, at least it's never mentioned in here, that this was created because of um, voter fraud or, or voter issues, anything like that. What they were saying is that there's a lot of there's a lot of flexibility for local officials. Um, and they want to kind of firm things up because these, you know, for certain elections, and that there's a lot of issues that don't need to be issues moving forward by um, adding some laws. Um, so that's why I wanted to put out. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about? Or you want to just run through this in order? Or um, what are you thinking? We can go through it in order. There are a couple of specific key points that I am really hot on because they're the the major, I guess I would say, um, lies about the bill that are drumming up all the internet outrage. Um, mm -hmm. And I think those are the most important points, but I'll let you run through the bill in order and then um, we can jump into those. Because there, there are some issues on, in the bill that haven't really gotten any attention. Um, I think there's some really there, good there things are in the bill that haven't gotten any attention. But, but there, yeah. are, there are two or three key points that I think are driving most of the outrage. Okay, cool. Cool. So I guess we can start with kind of the reason why they want to do this bill. So they gave 17 points. Um, I found a few that I wanted to read. So the first one, the broad discretion allowed to local officials for advanced voting dates and hours led to significant variations across the state and total number of hours of advanced voting, depending on the county. More than 100 counties have never offered voting on Sunday and many counties offered only a single day for weekend voting. Requiring two Saturday voting days and two optional Sunday voting days will dramatically increase the total voting hours for voters across the state of Georgia, and all electors in Georgia will have access to multiple opportunities to vote in person on the weekend for the first time. So right there, um, and I, we can read the actual, what it says uh, later on, but people are saying that this is restrictive. This right here on page four of this 98 page bill, pretty much made it required to do two Saturdays because most counties weren't doing that. And it allows the flexibility of two Sundays before the bill only required to do one, one Saturday. So if you already have the expansion of, of voting right there. Um, another one I wanted to read is Elections in Georgia are administered by counties, but they can lead to problems for voters in counties. Oops, lost my place. With dysfunctional election systems. Counties with long term problems of lines, problems with processing the absentee ballots, and other challenges in, in administration need accountability. But state officials are limited 
and what they are able to do to address the problem. Ensuring that there is a mechanism to address local election problems will promote voter confidence and meet the goal of uniformity. And we can get into the detail of that as well. But, you know, all the people that complain about the really long lines in Georgia, just for really any major city, um, it's because of those local officials. What this state law does, and I'll read the exact quote later on, is that if there's a if you're in line for more than an hour in an election, the next election, they have to add um, more uh, voting machines to reduce that down. So again, giving you more opportunity. So now when you go to vote, you know you can schedule one hour instead of having to wait in line for eight hours um, like you do in a lot of cities around the, around the country. Um, and then this last one, uh, yeah, this last one I want to read. Opportunities for delivering absentee ballots to a drop box were first created by the state election board as a pandemic response. The drop boxes created by rule no longer exist in Georgia law when the emerging rules that created them expired. The General Assembly considered a variety of options and constructed a system that allows the use of drop boxes while also ensuring the security of the system and providing options in emerging situations. So this is actually interesting because I didn't, I didn't know that at, at the time. But yeah, the absentee ballots in general were, were new. So if there were no election laws passed, you would not have the opportunity to use a drop box in future elections for Georgia. Correct. So another thing that this Georgia bill created by Republicans and signed by Republicans has done. So it seems to me that voting is now better and easier to do. Would you would you agree with that, Jeff? I would. And there are a couple of points I wanted to bring up that are have been some of the key leftist talking points um, that are, are blatantly lies. Even the Washington Post had to call out Joe Biden for lying about this law. And which, you and, know, is bad when the Washington Post is calling you out. Exactly. Um, that's, that's exactly my point is <laughs> when he gets fact checked and, and told he's lying, that's a pro, that's a big deal. So one of the big issues is they said that. They, uh, one of the big talking points that, that has been out there is that this law restricts voting hours so people won't be able to vote after work. Incorrect. What this law did, because they said that, oh, well, now people are, now the polls are going to close at five. No, by this law, the earliest the polls can close now is seven. Not the latest, the earliest the polls can close is seven. And counties are allowed to extend their voting hours beyond that. But the earliest they can close polls is seven o'clock. Um, Thank you. They also added more early voting days, as Mike mentioned. They allowed Sunday voting. Um, the another big one that is a big problem uh, that has been brought up is the fact that um, voter ID will be required. Well, the the big talking point around this is well, that's going to disenfranchise. That's going to disenfranchise lower income voters that can't afford a state issued ID. That is not true either, because this bill also allows for. And, uh, and creates uh, a photo ID for the purposes of voting that is state paid for, meaning it is free to all voters. So if you do not have a state issued driver's license or other identification, you can get a state issued voter ID and it is free. It costs you nothing and it allows you to vote. Uh, 
So there is no disenfranchising for that because if your statement is, well, they, they don't want to get their picture taken, they don't want to have a state issued ID, then they shouldn't be voting. Um, because if you- You're not, a, you're not a, a functioning citizen if you don't have an ID. If yeah, you can't, so Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game. If I went to go uh, buy a beer at a Major League Baseball game, need my ID. want to go pick up my uh, tickets at Will Call, need my ID. Uh, want to fly on a Delta Airlines flight, need my ID. But all of that aside. Pay, PayPal requires IDs now. I think Sodas, Cash App, or Venmo, they're going to be requiring that in like June. Yep. If I want to so, buy Bitcoin, I need to send my ID in. Yep. You have to have, yeah, Coinbase, you have to have Social Security number ID. So you have to have these things anyway. But on top of that, Drinking, let's throw all of driving. that. Let's, let's throw all of that aside and say you didn't do any of those things. You don't have any ID. You want to be off the grid. If you want to be truly off the grid, then you're not on voter rolls. So if you're on the voter rolls, then you're not off the grid, and you can go get yourself a free state issued ID. So that is another lie. They've said that state yes ID is required in this bill. That is a true statement. Well, However, actually, the implication. Let me, let me um let me read um that part right here. Okay. Um, so this is this is talking about what the, the ballot looks like or the absentee ballot. So it says a place for the elector to print his or her name, a signature line, a space for the elector to print the number of his or her Georgia's driver's license or ID card, um, a space for the elector to mark to confirm that he or she does not have a Georgia driver's license or ID card. Um, a space for the elector to print his or her date of birth, and a space for the elector to print the last four dishes of his or her, her social security number. If the elector does not have a Georgia's driver's license or a... Oops, I just lost my thought. Crap. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> really there professional, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. If the elector does not have a Georgia driver's license or a state ID card, the envelope shall be designated so that the number of the electors, Georgia's driver's license, RED card, um, the last four digits of the elector's social security number, and elector's date of birth um, can be included. So if you don't have it and driver's license already, you can use your social security card. What they were talking about, about having to scan your ID or your passport is for people who just moved to Georgia who aren't in the Georgia system which makes perfect sense to me. Um, and for people who are complaining, um, a lot of, saw a lot of people um, from my state of Michigan. So I got bored and I tried to look into trying to get an absentee ballot. I'm required to put my driver's um, license number in for the state of Michigan. And I don't remember anyone complaining whatsoever about the absentee ballot process in Michigan. Correct. No one has. And that is, and that leads me to, to another talking point that, that I've heard about this bill is that um, they've made absentee ballots or, or mail-in ballots harder. They actually have made it, uh, they've created it so that you know, need no excuse to have an absentee ballot. You can simply request one. And they, the requirement to place your driver's license number or your ID number on the ballot is in place of signatures to simplify verification. And again, the requirement of, of, of putting your identification on your, on your mail-in ballot is pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, the last big talking point that everyone has been using, and, and frankly, I don't understand why this is even something that people are complaining about, but it's a lie, so I'll bring it up, is that they have banned food and water in lines for polls. This is not true. 
What they have banned is a practice called line warming, where political activists, aka someone who works for a political campaign, providing food, drinks, or other things to people in line to vote in an effort to secure their vote. That is illegal in most of the states of the union. Um, it's called electioneering or line warming, and it's not allowed most places. Uh, even like in the state of Michigan, I know this is the case from when I lived there. I know it's the case in the state of Texas now. Within 150 feet or 100 feet, it depends on the state, of polls, you can't have any, um, any signage up for, campaign or for candidates. You can't have campaign activists talking to people within that, uh, within that distance of the polling place because it's called electioneering. That's been, on, that's been illegal across the union for the majority of time. So mm -hmm. that, that is nothing new. And poll workers are still allowed to hound out food or drinks as they deem appropriate. And people can have food or drinks in the line. What you're doing is you're banning someone from going there and giving you something to say, hey, here's a hot dog. Have you heard about my candidate? Which was already illegal. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. So actually, I just was able to find that part. Um, so what they added was um, no person shall solicit votes in any matter or by any means or method, nor shall any person distribute or display any campaign material. And this is what they added to the bill. Nor shall any person give, offer to give, or participate in the giving of any money or gifts, including but not limited to food and drink to an elector. So that, um, that's what they added. But they also added that you're able to set up um, a self-service um, water table and it, and it has to be unattended. That's all. So you can you can set up a table, put water bottles there so people can grab it. You just can't hand it to them because they, they don't want you talking to people when you're that close um, to voting. And I mean close as in within 150 feet of the building. Thank you. Mm -hmm. so yeah, the they're also, sorry, um, one other thing you're also allowed to do. So you said you said poll workers. I mentioned self-service. Um, the bill also doesn't restrict people from like having food carts and just drive it up into a parking place and um, you buying food from them. You just can't buy it from someone that's just handing out for free. I really don't see an issue with that. No, there's no issue with it because that's essentially buying votes, which is why it's illegal. Right. And, and that's in illegal. New York. And that's illegal in most states. And, and yes. It's, so I, I'm glad you pointed out New York because that was actually what I wanted to do just to give some clarity to everyone here on how horrible this Georgia voting law is that we needed to pull the all-star game because it's extremely horrible. Uh, you know, this is, this is the great, this is the new Jim Crow, as Mike said. Just to put in perspective, here is a comparison of Georgia's new voting law and New York's existing voting laws. Georgia allows 17 days of early voting. New York allows nine. Georgia allows no excuse to vote by mail. In New York, it requires that you have an excuse to vote by mail, meaning you have to be infirm, um, out, you know, not available to vote in the state at that time. Um, you have to be elderly, et cetera. Uh, it can't just be anybody who wants to vote by mail can. Georgia, that's not the case. In Georgia, valid ID is required to vote by per mail and in person. New York does not require valid ID. Again, as we talked about, there's no reason that valid voter ID should not be required. In fact, over 60% of Americans, I believe 68% in the most recent USA Today poll I saw, uh, believe that voter ID should be required. And large amounts of minorities believe that voter ID should be, yeah, be required. Actually, I, th I think it was 62 
or 64 for like um, minorities and 72 overall. Okay, thank We're you. Talking about the same poll. Uh, we may or may not be, but either way, thank you. Either way, it's over 50%. The vast, the, the majority of Americans believe voter ID should be required. So, okay, New York doesn't require voter ID, but Georgia requires it, but we'll also provide it for free to you. So not a problem. Um, and then in Georgia, they ban the passing out of food and water to line within 150 feet, but allow unattended water receptacles. They also allow poll workers to provide it and they allow you to bring your own in New York. They ban the passing out of food and water unless it's under a dollar in value and there's no ID for who supplied it. Yeah. And Jeff, we've been in New York a few times. When have you ever seen food under a dollar? This uh, effect never. Banned. Not even a bottle of water costs less than a dollar in New York. Yeah. So I guess they would have to like go to Costco and buy like a 30 pack or whatever. Then maybe that worked. So the, 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 the Georgia law is less restrictive than what is happening in the vaunted state of New York. Um, and super woke state of New York. And, and nothing is being done and nobody's pulling, you know, games from New York. No one's talking about uh, no CEOs are coming out against, New, you know, Coca-Cola based in Atlanta, Georgia, Delta Airlines based in Atlanta, Georgia, both came out against this law and made their big woke statements. Um, and, you know, this is the other thing, Mike, the, the, the uh, Republican, the GOP um, Senate in the state of Georgia um, is working on pulling tax uh, tax exemptions for Delta Airlines over this. And mm -hmm. people immediately came out and said, look, this is cancel culture. Look, they're just retaliating. There's this retaliation for people not bending the knee. Um, no, it's choosing not to continue to give, first of all, uh, monopolistic tax exemptions. They probably didn't deserve to have in the first place. Uh, there you go. Not giving tax exemptions to someone that openly spits in the eye of the hand that's giving it to them. You, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And if Delta Airlines wants tax exemptions, they shouldn't go out there and openly spit in the face of the Georgia elected, the Georgia elected officials and Georgia's electorate. Because the reality is the majority of Georgia's electorate also supports this law. Very true. Hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? No, but I, I, I think this would be a good time, Mike, to talk about that. You know, we talked about, oh, people said that's a, that's a, a, that's cancel culture. You're pulling their tax exemptions. Let's talk about the difference between a boycott, like boycotting major league baseball and canceling major league baseball uh, or boycotting Delta airlines and canceling Delta air. Let's talk about the difference between boycotts and cancel culture. Sure. Simple. So uh, I'll give you what I'm doing right now. So I think Nike is of the devil. They're a horrible, horrible company. And I'm choosing to boycott. What that means for me is I will never buy anything that has a Nike logo on it. Um, all my friends and family who uh, kind of regularly give me gifts know not to give me anything Nike related. And whenever people ask me why I don't um by Nike, I give them the reason why. I do not tell people to get rid of Nike. I'm not pushing um, for the, the the country to get rid of Nike. This is my personal choice, my personal boycott. And um, yeah, I think the, the really difference is boycotts are personal and cancel culture is, I won't say universal. I mean, that's a, maybe the wrong word, but it's trying to wipe off the country. 
or or the company or the person versus you making a personal decision not to do deal with it anymore. For instance, I don't I don't watch the NBA anymore because of issues with them buying down to China. Um, but I'm not going to tell my friends you need to stop watching China, and I'm going to try to de- destroy your life if you keep watching um, NBA. So that's that's my difference between the boycott and canceling. Yeah, I would give, I think that's a good explanation. I would give a slightly different explanation, at least from my view, but I think conceptually we're on the same page. And and this is why I think boycotts are an effective method to some extent. I I don't know that they are as effective as we want them to be. Um, And the right tends to lean on this whole boycott thing and we don't really get any success out of it in a lot of cases. But the difference to me is, one is to your point, Mike, trying to destroy the organization, get rid of it. They should no longer be allowed to exist. The other is voting with your checkbook. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Look, I am under no obligation to buy Nike product. I am under no obligation to go to a major league baseball game or to watch a major league baseball game or to wear a hat. I am, however, not going to go out there and to your point, uh, tell everyone that watches major league baseball that they are the devil. I'm not going to go out and say major league baseball shouldn't be allowed to exist, that the government needs to ban major league baseball, um, that Delta airlines should no longer be allowed to fly in the skies. That's cancel culture that you don't, uh, you no longer are given the right to exist. Look, if you're on the left and you want to boycott Goya foods or you want to boycott my pillow, Go for it. Just don't buy their products. And if mm-hmm. enough people do that, they'll go out of business. And that's their, that's the result of their decisions. That's perfectly fine because I'm, you're not under an obligation to buy a MyPillow product if you don't mm-hmm. support the things that that organization supports because you're giving money to them. And if you want them, if you don't like what they're doing with that money, don't give it to them. And if they don't, if they go out of business, that's their fault. And they shouldn't have done the things they did to piss off the the people who are buying their products, plain and simple. But to say Mike Liddell from MyPillow is evil and MyPillow needs to be put, you know, MyPillow shouldn't be allowed to exist. Stores should not be allowed to carry their products anymore. And that that's different going to the extreme of like, that would be me, like me going around to sports bars and saying, you're not allowed to show major league baseball games anymore because do you understand how evil major league baseball is? And if you continue to show them, we're going to shut you down as well. Yeah. If you, if you bring a supporter of this evil, if you carry my pillow products, then we're going to make sure that you're the next thing on the list. If you show major league baseball games, we're going to make sure your bar doesn't exist next year. That's cancel culture. It's, it's an aggressive, tactic to eliminate something that you don't agree with a boycott is simply saying i'm not going to spend my money supporting your product because i don't like the things you do anymore i also don't really watch the nba anymore i didn't i haven't watched baseball in a while but you can be dang sure i'm not going to watch baseball now um the only time i watched baseball was when i was actually at a game this is it's too boring otherwise for me that is correct that's the same for me i don't watch i don't watch baseball on tv anyway and now i just won't go to a game because if that's how you're going to, if that's the choice you're making as a, as an organization, cool. I am perfectly fine with not spending more money than necessary to go sit in a stadium and watch your game. That is not that entertaining and pay 12 bucks for a drink. So I'm just not going to do it, but I'm not out there trying to eliminate baseball. I have no problem with baseball existing. And if there are enough people that don't have a problem with what they're doing, they'll succeed. If there are not, they'll fail. That's how a boycott works. Mm-hmm. Boycott is Put to Mike's point, put your own personal decisions into it and say, you continue to spit in our face and say that we are less than you. 
as an electorate or as a group, we're just not going to buy your products anymore. You continue to say that you don't, you know, it's, uh, I'm going to give an even better example than just a business, I think, because this is where cancel culture really becomes big is actors, right? If uh, Chris Pat, Pratt, people want to cancel. For they no reason. Say, like he, Chris, the thing is like, he'll just start trending one, one day. And he hasn't done anything. It is all, all of a sudden canceled Chris Pratt. Exactly. He's the, he's the worst of the Chris's. But they, but, but cancel culture means they don't want him to ever be hired for a movie again. Right. He's a highly successful actor who is a big box office draw, but cancel culture says, ignore all of the economics. He doesn't deserve to ever work again. That's cancel culture. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to, if Disney or Warner Brothers or anyone, if you hire him, then you are the devil and, and you are the problem. You can't hire this guy. A boycott right. would be, I don't like Chris, and I actually do like Chris Pratt, but a boycott would be the same people saying, I don't like Chris Pratt and what he stands for. I'm not going to go see any movies Chris Pratt is in. And if all of Chris Pratt's movies bomb, Chris Pratt won't get hired because that's not, that's how Hollywood works. Oh, people don't see your movies. We don't put you in movies. So Mm -hmm. that's a boycott is you're choosing not to go see his movies. You're not out there saying he's not allowed to work anymore. You may get the same result, but the tactic is very different. And it's one is driven by one is driven by the economics of a situation. The other is driven by scare tactics, scare tactics and terrorism around companies to eliminate someone that you view as a threat. Gina Carano was canceled. Disney fired her purely over something that she put on Twitter, which wasn't even what they said it was, but Gina Carano was canceled. There was not a mass of people who said, I'm not going to watch The Mandalorian anymore. And the the ratings for that show stopped. And so they said, she's the problem. We have to get rid of her. If that was the case, that would be different. If they had come out with the show she was supposed to have, she was going to have uh, a Rangers show, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A Rebel Rangers or whatever it was going to be. And if that show had bombed because people said, I don't like Gina Carano, I'm not supporting the show. That's her fault, right? Then, right. Then, then so be it. They don't continue the show. But that's not what happened. There were a large amount of people still watching The Mandalorian, ignoring the fact that the people who didn't like her ignored that she was on it because they still wanted to watch it. And the people who did like her were happy that she was on the show. There, That's the difference. Yeah. I think uh, another difference between a boycott and canceling is that the boycott allows for maybe redemption or forgiveness. So like, for instance, if Nike decided to move all their factories to the um, to America or the EU or something like that, where there's, you know, not slavery, I probably wouldn't have a problem buying Nike. But I think canceling is you've done this and you're, you're gone. So you can ask for forgiveness, but we're still going to wipe you out. Um, so to kind of, kind of kick you back to the, civil rights era when they were doing the um montgomery bus boycott right when the when they changed their policies they got back on the bus versus let's wipe out this um the the montgomery uh, city buses overall that would be canceling and you know if you were to do that overall you'd be worse off and i think people don't seem to realize that with what cancel culture is well, I think that kind of goes back into the the leftist um, leftist lack of lack lack of God is there's no room for forgiveness. Yeah, you either bend the knee very like now. Granted, they will forgive a little bit if you come out and bend the knee immediately. 
and make one of your statements about how you were uninformed and you were ignorant and you were going to be better. Um, sometimes that works, but normally it only works if you've got points in the bank um, of, of wokeness. Like if you're a, if you're um, someone who's championed enough of their causes, you might get a reprieve once. See, I don't think it's a reprieve. I think it's a, instead of just straight up killing you now, it's a, it's a death by a thousand cuts. Like you're still going to be canceled. It just moves, moves slower. That can, um, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. You know, we talked about this before. I think when, our, when a viewer brought up what we thought about cancel culture and we were talking about how, you know, they're going to cancel um, Barack Obama because of all his, his views. I called it out in 20 years, but there's already pushes in Chicago um, by Hispanic people to not name schools after him because he was the deporter in chief. Like he, he hasn't been out of office that long and they're already coming to say he was too extreme. He's, 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 he's pretty much um, Hitler and we need to get rid of him and everything that he stood for. And that's why you can't cancel someone in the past based off of um, standards in the present. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of goes to the concept of cultural relativism, which if anybody listening thinks back to like middle school social studies, you probably studied, studied the concept of cultural relativism, which is to judge a culture based on your culture, cultural standards. So can you judge... Um, can you judge the ancient Greeks based on the standards of modern America? Or can you judge um, Syrian culture based on the standards of English culture? You know, that's cultural relativism is that there are different cultural standards. And that, that, does, that does not mean that you excuse genocide as a cultural norm, uh, President Biden, but it does mean that you that, that you don't look at something that happened 100 years ago and say, well, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't be OK today. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, a, a, the fact that it's not okay today is not always, oh, is not always right because some things that were okay a hundred years ago that aren't okay today probably should still be okay. And B, the things that are, the things that that's not true of, um, like slavery or, or Jim Crow laws. Yeah, we knew they were wrong. That's why we fixed them. But it was the situation at the time. You can't go back and say that everyone who lived during the Jim Crow era was evil because it's simply not a fact. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Otherwise, things wouldn't have changed. Only people seem to understand that. Is that yeah, if the, everyone the, was the, racist or evil, that change came about by then, someone. Then the changes would have stayed the same. Everything would have stayed the same. That's actually a really good point. If 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 there weren't people who lived during the Jim Crow era that had a problem with it other than black people, then it wouldn't have changed. If there were not, if there were not whites and look, this is not to say that, that, that whites are the only ones who can get things done. So anyone who wants to try and misconstrue the words, I'm going to shut that down right now. But the reality is the reality is if you believe that the Jim Crow era meant that the white man was holding down the black man, the only way that went away then by consequence of logic is for people who recognize that as a problem to stop it. Mm -hmm. Right. Slavery didn't go away because because of um, black Americans standing up against slavery. Slavery went away largely because of white abolitionists. 
mm-hmm. who fought against was it. it the, and yes, there were the black Quakers? abolitionists as well. Uh, the Quakers were some of them, but I mean, even um, I thought they, I thought they were I thought one group, the Quakers or, or Puritans, were like a a major driving force. Uh, it would have been the it would have been the Quakers and um, Quakers? Okay. was was a was a large driving force. But even some of them, unlike Lincoln, was a big abolitionist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he wasn't a Quaker, obviously. But yeah, and that's my point. Is yes, there were there were blacks that were fighting against slavery as well and created things like the Underground Railroad. But the reality is, if you believe that the power structure was such that the whites were controlling the country, you cannot believe that there weren't good white people fighting against slavery, because otherwise we'd still have it. I mean, there was a, a civil war of a bunch of white people fighting against each other. I yeah, was there other... more than just slavery, but that's a different. Yeah, that's, different. that's a different topic. But um, yeah, I mean, the majority of people in that war and died were, were white people. Mm hmm. And that's it. So you cannot you cannot simply look back and say, um, because there are people who want to cancel Abraham Lincoln because he wasn't, quote, anti-racist enough. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves completely illegally, by the way, (laughs) just did it because he said, I'm not. And 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 you can question his motives. You can question all of that. But the thing is, Abraham Lincoln was a outspoken abolitionist before he was president. Mm -hmm. So he just wanted to do it slower originally. yeah, he wanted to do it in a more controlled fashion that wouldn't lead to the splintering of the country, which is probably not a bad idea if you look at the mass amount of death that came in the Civil War. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's the point is there are people now judging the great emancipator as not anti-racist enough. He freed the slaves, but they say, well, he was only really motivated by winning the war. That's not even true if you look at the history of that man. Like he was fighting slavery before he was ever elected. He was elected by people who knew he was an abolitionist. So that's exactly. that's clearly and, not and, true. Yeah, and people forget that the war technically started before he was in office because the South knew um, or they believed that he was trying to, trying to free the slaves like immediately. So the the bombing of Fort uh, yeah Fort Sumter was before he was in office. random facts no i i think it's a good fact to point out so yeah it's it's that's kind of the problem is cancel culture it's retroactive it's aggressive it's look whether you agree or disagree with boycotts is one thing to bring this back like you may not think that boycotts have a value. And I will tell you certain times, I don't think boycotts have a value. Like when people say, oh, let's boycott Amazon. The reality is that you, it, it, it's a good idea, but it's probably not going to work because it's think, unlikely it, that you're going to, you're going to succeed in that boycott. So I will say this. I think it's, it's possible people aren't dedicated enough to boycott Amazon. I think people are not dedicated enough flash too lazy. Because me, all the stuff I I buy off Amazon, I can I can buy it at stores around me. You know, actually, I tend to buy my books, my actual books, at Barnes and Noble. That is like going to the bookstore. But I don't think people are dedicated enough to actually go out, go to the store, and buy something where you can just click on your phone and it shows up in two days. And I look, I will tell you, I don't I don't boycott Amazon because sometimes the simplicity of it is just convenient for me, and. Mm-hmm. I, I know I can get the product I want quickly at, at the best price. And sometimes that's at the end of the, whether it should or shouldn't be how I think about it, it is in some cases, mm-hmm. but there are things I will boycott. Um, so that's the thing is a boycott. If you don't agree with it, just don't do it. 
but you're not calling on anyone else to, to, yeah. to lose everything over it. And if they do lose things, it's based on their choices and the fact that you are not obligated to spend your money on their product, by the way, just for the sake of clarification, um, Fort Sumter happened about a month after Lincoln's month inauguration. After. Okay. But you were, it, it was still the, the fervor around the civil war was building up prior to Lincoln's yeah. inauguration to Mike's point. Mike was not oh. incorrect in that statement. Um, I just wanted was. to point out for, for clarification, Fort Sumter happened April 12th. Uh, Lincoln yeah. was inaugurated March 4th, That's what 1861. Yeah. I forgot that the dates had moved. For some reason I'll, I'll think, I'll thinking that was like, Got inaugurated in the summer. Now, only yeah, a few he got inaugurated just a little bit before Fort, but there was still a lot of, I mean, like the civil war was brewing up. Fort Sumter was the, was the, the, like, you know, the explosion of a bomb that had already, a fuse that had already been lit. So it's not like Lincoln was, you know, like didn't realize he was stepping into that. He, I think he thought maybe he could quell the storm. Um, but the war was already brewing before he was inaugurated mm-hmm. cool. because Southern Democrats feared to Mike's point that Lincoln would come into office and day one, free their slaves. Okay. Anyway, let's talk vaccine pass- passports real quick. Um, I don't have a ton to talk about on this. I mean, I could probably go on about it for a while, but I just want to talk about the dangerous precedent this sets well, let's. Uh, I want to clear some some things up, um, or what's legally capable of being done. So, currently vac- legally allowed. Currently, right. Okay. So the the vaccines have all been issued under the Emergency um, Authorization Act. They haven't been approved by the FDA. What that means is that no business or employer can actually force you to get the vaccine. Um, because I've, I've known a few people where they, they've been told that they need to get the vaccine to go back to work. That's illegal. Um, they can't actually do that. And you have a right to, to sue them for trying to force you to get a experimental drug. Actually, um, in 2013, there was a, a case where, um, the army, um, they were suing about, uh, anthrax vaccine because it wasn't officially approved yet. And that caused a lot of debilitating issues. Um, so I just wanted, wanted to put that out there that you aren't actually, you can't be required to get this. Now, obviously there are some vaccines that you are, are required to get you know, when you're like young to go to school. Um, but those are also vaccines that are like dozens of years, decades old and actually are FDA approved. Yeah, the other thing just to, to on that point to clarify, and I wasn't um, even thinking about going to this, but it's a good point to clarify, Mike, is people saying, well, private businesses can do whatever they want. Technically, yes, but actually requiring a vaccine passport is illegal today as well. Uh, and, and again, I say currently illegal because it only takes the stroke of our uh, benevolent tyrant's uh, pen to change this, but currently... Uh, for a for like Target to if I walk into Target and they say where's your vaccine passport, it violates HIPAA and it violates the Americans with Disabilities Act, mm-hmm. both of which state that I do not have to provide my medical records to anyone, 
And the Americans with Disabilities Act actually goes further to say that you cannot ask me what my disability is, but you can, you cannot restrict me from things for my disability. And there are people who cannot get the vaccine for different reasons. And you are not allowed to legally ask why I couldn't. You simply can just, you just have to accept it. It's actually the same thing technically with masks. If I choose not to wear a mask and um, was citing it under the ADA, technically you can't actually ask me whether or not, because if I have a respiratory issue and can't wear a mask, um, technically you cannot force me to. Uh, yeah. Now we've well, ignored I, all it, of that for the last that, year and a half. Yeah. I've seen it a few times when I've gone to uh, your grocery store or whatever, where people are like standing in the front saying, where's your mask? Like I have asthma and then they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Because technically they're not allowed to legally. It violates the ADA. And they're, every time you violate the ADA as a business, it's like up to a $75,000 fine technically. Now, again, Americans have ignored all of this for the last year. So that's why I'm worried about vaccine passports because reality is not what's legal. It's what can be enforced. And uh, with the current state of American affairs, you're just going to get shouted down by everyone in the store until you leave and they're not going to sell you anything. Um, so that's the problem. But Mike, you are completely correct. It is illegal. I just don't think that that's going to stop anything because uh, the mask mandates were illegal. The lockdowns were illegal. Um, all of every, pretty much everything that's been done up to this point has been blatantly illegal. Yeah. Um, so the well, actually, idea that I'm, something new is illegal won't stop it from happening in my mind. True. Unfortunately for Michigan, the governor locking things down is illegal, but the um, health department shutting things down is legal based off like some 1950 something law that was only supposed uh, was actually only supposed to be there temporarily, but it just was never removed. So the failure of our government is now allowing our government to have power, which is why I have an issue with um, the Republicans. Because when a Republican governor was in office, he had the opportunity to remove a bunch of stupid laws, and he didn't. Yep. So anyway, here's my problem with vaccine passports is, number one, this is going to quickly turn into a social credit system like what the Chinese Communist Party is already using, where to do anything, you are ranked, rated, and scored according to your activity around the government's approved actions. Um, that is a problem. The second thing is a vaccine passport is a massive invasion of privacy, but more than that is a very big, uh, it, it creates a very bad precedent that now anyone who's not doing what is accepted as the, the cultural, um, you know, the, the new norm can be denied basic, necessities in life they can they can't buy groceries for their family they can't we're, we're talking about not allowing people to participate in commerce over this um that is a very big problem and uh, again don't want to go too far down the down the road here but i am not saying vaccine passports are the number of the beast but i'm telling you right now that is a very big very clear precursor to something like that um it's, it's very number of the beast like yeah you you have to have this thing or you can't buy or sell Yes, this sounds is, this, a lot like the number of diet, the beast from Revelation. The beast. I mean, that is that is the mark of the beast. Um, and while this may not be the mark of the beast, um, it's very uh, mark of the beast esque um, and and a precursor for it. So uh, I love that DeSantis came out and banned 
vaccine passports in the state of Florida. Um, I am concerned about the number of places I'm seeing vaccine passports actually getting traction. Um, because well, I think they started again, in New well, York on April 2nd. Because, yeah, and, and that's like the fact that we are allowing this to happen in our nation is we have eliminated any semblance of freedom. Mm-hmm. Nothing we, is. In, we gave up freedom for safety and we shall have neither. Yep. Was Thank you, Ben Franklin. Franklin. Said that? Ben, Franklin? Uh, ben Franklin. Thomas Jefferson said the tree of liberty should be bathed in, uh, regularly in the blood of patriots and tyrants. Um, which is also true, but Tom, uh, Benjamin Franklin said that um, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote at this moment, but uh, anyone who would give up, who would sacrifice a, a, a little bit of liberty for a little bit of safety will have neither, will, will lose, will have neither and lose both. And I mean, that's it. We did it with the Patriot Act, which has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you can't even have a, you can't take a water bottle through security at the airport, you know, because that's a problem. Um, and now we're getting to the point where you're not going to be able to go into a store and buy a product without proving that you got jabbed in the arm with a vaccine that is experimental. Mm-hmm. And by the way, not effective in stopping you from getting the virus. Yeah. So listen, if I have the, get a get stabbed and then still have to wear a mask still have to be away from sick people who also got the vaccine i'll still do social distancing what's the point like i I understand it it could protect me and keep me out of the hospital but unless we're real i wasn't going to go to hospital anyway oh and by the way texas has been open for over three weeks now and no mask mandate and is at an all-time low of covid cases just to throw that out there um, this is a, Jeff, this is a nothing you. burger and people need to stop talking about it. The fact that we are over a year past 15 days to slow the spread and people are still worried about this is beyond frustrating. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And by the way, mission has been ex- exploding in cases. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, prepare to get locked down again. Yeah. I can always run to Tennessee. So yeah. The, Until they uh, start doing border checks or something. Right. So the, the peak in um, deaths for Texas was uh, January 21st. It's been dropping ever since. We're down to, uh, let's see, what's it say? 76 for total deaths. And yeah, active cases has gone from over 400,000. Um, and they've gotten down to 96,000. Let's see how Michigan looks. So for new cases, the peak was 10,000 in November 20th. And we're currently at 9,292. Like we we went down um, in February. We're down to like 1,000. And we've been climbing ever since. For new cases, active cases, um, and deaths are starting to climb back up. I'm going to throw out a conspiracy theory and then I'm going to move off the topic of COVID. I'm just going to throw this out here for people to think on and chew on for a week. What if the cases aren't rising in, in Michigan at all, but in your Democrat run stronghold, they are manipulating case numbers as was proven over the last year, summer um, numerous States were doing manipulating case numbers. 
uh, to make the issue worse than it was to drive funding, to drive actions and to give them the authority to do more lockdowns, et cetera. What if that's what's happening today? That your case numbers are not really exploding, but your reported cases are exploding. Your reported deaths are exploding Mm -hmm. because it definitely would fit the narrative of what Whitmer is trying, you know, Whitmer trying to retain power. So just going to throw that out there. You don't even have to respond. Thought I'd throw that out there as something fun to think about. Um, actually, let's see. I'll give me a week or two and I'll see if I can prove that. Okay. That'd be great. I bet you will. I bet you will be able to, cause I'm pretty confident in my, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat thing, but uh, I don't think it's all that far off. I know the, the number of actual testings has fluctuated quite a bit depending on the situation. I, I have noticed that from the actual at Michigan Gov website. Yeah, when when she needs more tests to happen, suddenly they do. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of my point. So I think you could dig into that and probably prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that is the case. So it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I think it's more likely than not pretty accurate. Mm. I'm a numbers guy. It shouldn't be too hard to do. All right. So we had one last topic really quick to hit on, and then let's get into our nerd topic. Um, Mike, I'll let you kind of give the the rundown of this because you have been much more on top of this issue than I have. Christy Nome uh, initially sent back her, uh, sent back the bill about transgender athletes to um, the legislature in the state of South Dakota. She has now moved forward with executive orders. You want to walk us through that? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you did it, you did it pretty well. Um, so essentially what happened is she's been v- very vocal about being against, um, pretty much biological boys playing against biological girls. Um, so obviously her state legislator gave her a bill to sign. She thought there were some issues, um, pretty much saying that, um, well, she rejected it as like a grammatical error. But she pretty much saying that we, they, they can't enforce a bill as is. It'll be a huge amount of money wasted in litigation because of the um, NCAA. So she would be able to push back on it. Um, her legislator said, um, we're not changing this at all. So you, you can sign it or you can reject it. So then she decided to instead do some executive orders um, to put some uh, restrictions on instead of signing the bill. Mm-hmm. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Um, I mean, I'm glad she put the executive orders in place. I'm still, I find it very, I, I find the situation somewhat strange, to be honest with you. I, I, I admittedly need to go and read the bill specifically to see what issues she thought were in the language that was so bad that she wouldn't sign the bill. I don't, as I've said numerous times before, I don't love executive orders as a means for enacting law because that's not what they're meant to do. So I would have rather seen her sign the bill and let it be challenged than say, I'm not going to sign this, but I'll do an executive order. But she also, I mean, she did come back and at least bring something to the table, which my initial concern, as we talked about last time, was that she was going to be a falling star and was going to back away from this. She seems to have not done that. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and happy about that, but find it very strange, the fact that she went this route with it. Um, but I, I haven't read the specifics of the bill to know what the exact language she has a problem with is. Right. And like I said, my understanding is that it bans it from 
all sports and that the the colleges would would have some power to deny her that deny her that because of federal laws or something like that. I can't remember. So I, I read it, you know, in study of this weeks ago. Um, but essentially sort of the point that the NCAA would be able to, to sue over the bill and she didn't want to do that because they, her lawyers thought that there'd be a strong case for the NCAA and she just didn't want to waste millions in taxpayer dollars trying to find and a if, bill that she thought wasn't. And if she's be- right, then that's a good idea. Um, I, I would rather her have gotten the legislature to fix the bill. I don't know why the legislature wouldn't, um, but I'm glad to see that she did something and put her money where her mouth was. So I'm, I'm overall, I'm happy with it. I don't like the use of executive order though. That bothers me. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. They just told her just to sign it or reject it because this bill, they could have did it for, you know, children and then try to do another one for adults. Maybe, maybe that might've been the issue that colleges are technically adults. They wouldn't have the power to enforce it as much. But they ought to still have the power to do that because it is still state because the NCAA is primarily, uh, I mean, like it would be primarily focused on state run universities. But anyway, I don't know what the issue was. Overall, I'm happy that she did something about it. Not thrilled the the course it went, but that's an issue, I guess, for people in South Dakota Mm -hmm. to to decide why their legislatures, uh, why their legislators couldn't do their job. Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't see the issue with this, I would encourage you to look up Fallon Fox, uh, MMA fighter. Um, that's a man that decided to beat on a woman and find out what he did to those uh, women's faces before they, the, they found out that he was a he. Actually, there's yeah. a... Yeah, there's a there should be some YouTube videos of Joe Rogan, you know, one of the famous fighters talking about Fallon Fox on YouTube, on his podcast. So you should be able to find that pretty easily for those who are who are looking or actually want to look into it. Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's shift gears. Another massive throwdown, not man versus woman, but giant lizard versus giant. <laughs> gorilla let's talk nerd topic of the week godzilla versus kong out now on hbo max and in theaters where you have them um mike first impressions so i loved it um so i watched the other two godzilla movies and the other uh in the first or the only king kong movie and i thought this was the the best out of all of them um i know you you'll probably bring this up uh, when you you give your review, but I like the fact that the monsters were in this a whole lot more. Um, there was some human development, but it wasn't the main focus. Uh, and I think that was kind of my issue with the the first Godzilla movie. Um, King Kong had it to an extent, uh, extent, but overall, um, I really I really liked this movie. I thought it was fantastic. There were some people who were. <laughs> there were some people that were mad uh, about who won. I'm not going to say who won, um, but I had, a, I had a makes, uh, make a statement on Facebook. I don't know if, if I actually showed it to you or not. I did see your statement. I believe it was something along the lines of you need medical attention after a fight. You're not, you didn't win the fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I agree with you. And 
for the, I won't give away who won either. I'll, I'll do a spoiler free review this time because this movie's relatively new still. It only came out a few days ago. Um, I don't know how you could be upset with who won if you know anything about the, the monsters in this movie. Now, right. I, I mean, I guess if you have your, everyone has their personal favorite and you want your favorite to win, I get that. But there's a difference between having your personal favorite and then actually knowing who's going to win. Like if they had done it the other way, I actually probably would have, it would have ruined the movie for me. If mm-hmm. the other monster had won, I would have actually probably turned it off because it just, it, it would be counter to what those movies are though. Mm-hmm. Like there is a, there's a clear hierarchy. And um, so I, I liked who won. I actually thought that was one of the more redeeming parts of the film is, and then, and it wasn't like a, well, did he really No, I mean, it was a pretty definitive. It was, win. It was clear. Like one left the other completely beaten and destroyed. Uh, it was almost, it was almost died. Almost was, getting ready to die. It was a very good uh, ending, and so I agree with you. I I have not seen Skull Island um, because I saw Peter Jackson's King Kong and Horrible. I hated it. I don't I don't in general find King Kong all that interesting as a character, and um, so I never watched Skull Island because I just. I didn't know if it would be, I didn't know how similar it would be to Peter Jackson's. I hated well, that I th- movie. I think the Peter Jackson King Kong suffered from the same issue as Superman Returns, where they tried to give it the same style as the original and ignore the fact that it's been decades since the original came out. Yeah, I mean, in, in Peter Jackson's case, it was nearly a century later. Yeah. <laughs> that was like 80 years removed, and that is that was part of the problem. Okay, I can't um, remember if there's another King Kong movie that came out in like the 70s. Uh, there might have been, I don't know, but I mean, they, they yeah, the definitely original, tried to do it like the 30s. Yeah. Um, but either way, I mean, you're right. It's very similar to the Superman Returns, like an, an old aesthetic, an old feel that doesn't fit in today's uh, cinema, Right. and it just didn't work. But anyway, so I never saw Skull Island. This movie actually made me want to go back and watch Skull Island, and that's on HBO Max as well, so I will. Yeah, um, all all the monster movies, the, the two Godzilla movies are on there as well. I have, and, and the two Godzilla movies I did see. I liked the first one, um, and King of the Monsters. I absolutely hated. Um, I, I told you this off off the air. I could not Godzilla versus Kong. I was going to watch even before we decided to do it for the nerd topic, just because it was free. So I figured, why not? But I had very low expectations because I absolutely hated King of the Monsters and Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be awesome. My brother is a huge Godzilla fan. I I enjoy Godzilla movies, but not a big fan. Uh, My youngest brother is a massive Godzilla fan. He hates movies. Like he will watch maybe four movies in existence. Um, The Lord of the Rings movies and like a Godzilla movie. Um, and, and other than that, most movies he has no interest in, but he even went to the theater with me to see Godzilla King of the Monsters. And he was super excited about it. And all of us, me and both my brothers went, and it's just for a movie that's all about Godzilla and these other monsters. I think there's maybe in a two hour film, 30 minutes of monster footage and maybe 20 minutes of monsters fighting, which was miserably boring to me. And the, the human story in Godzilla movies is always boring. Because yeah, they're not uh, good plot movies. That's why I'm surprised you liked the first one. Because I feel like the first one had even less Godzilla. It it had less Godzilla, but I felt like the time they put him on screen was more interesting, I guess. Um, so I just, I thought that one was a good, like, introduction of Godzilla, bringing him back into, um, into people's view. Because Godzilla is a character that m- younger people now don't really know anything about Godzilla. Because right, those movies last, are all so old. Well, the last one was with... Um, Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Uh, I don't even. Cons- that movie sucked. Yeah, that wasn't Godzilla though. 
that was just that was a weird whole different thing uh yeah. i know they i know it was godzilla but it, it wasn't um, it really it really wasn't like that creature was tiny they shouldn't be able to move on the street like that or disappear well and they had like a bunch of little ones and it was i just that movie sucked but the old school Godzilla is like the, the true Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. Like mm-hmm. those are cool movies, but they're not really modern and not a lot of people watch them now. So I, the first Godzilla, I was okay with it because it felt like it was like a reintroducing this character to modern audiences. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of okay with it. It wasn't, it wasn't great, but it was good. King of the Monsters, I really didn't like because I had high expectations. It was Godzilla versus Ghidorah. Um, you were bringing in all these, mo- you had Mothra, you had all this stuff. And it was like, oh, that's going to be super cool. And all of the fights were just zoom, zoom, zoom really fast. So I had really low expectations for Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla versus Kong, I loved because within minutes of the movie starting, you had monsters destroying stuff within minutes. I think I texted you while I was watching it. Like, Oh, this is a good sign. Five minutes in and something's already getting wrecked. Like that's what I want in a monster movie. I don't need a, a super driving emotional human plot because these movies are not, not about important. that. I need monsters destroying stuff and the humans doing stuff in the background, whatever. I don't care. Um, kind of making things worse. Kind of make so I'm making, so I'm making things worse. So I'm making these better. Exactly. The, the one thing I will say about the human storyline is I actually felt kind of bad for Millie Bobby Brown. Um, Stranger Things mm-hmm. um, and uh, Enola Holmes. I actually think she's a good actress. Uh, she's really young, but I think she's a good young actress. I think her role in Godzilla is terrible um, and makes her seem like she can't act. So I felt bad for her um, because that whole subplot was really, really bad, poorly written and poorly executed. Um, I think the problem with that is it had like a completely different tone from like all the destruction. And now they're saying that then like they're like just goofing around when there's just them, so it felt it felt kind of weird, especially in the in the first one she didn't have that that personality. I thought in, in King of Monsters her personality at least made more sense, and I and I kind of I guess forgave her acting because she was younger. I think she was like probably like fifteen or fourteen when she did that one. Yeah, and I actually think having seen her in other things, I have a feeling it had more to do with the direction than it did to do with the acting. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, I, I, I thought that subplot was bad. I thought most of the human stories in the movie weren't entirely interesting, but again, I didn't expect them to be. This movie did the one thing I wanted a monster movie to do. It entertained me. It kept me, it wasn't like I was on the edge of my seat, like, oh, what's going to happen next? It's highly predictable. Um, it's very formulaic. Didn't care. It was really cool special effects, extremely well done. And the monster fights, the, the actual fight between Godzilla and, and Kong, was long and really well done and really fun. And they destroyed like half of Hong Kong doing it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was, one, cool. I mean, they, they had like really like three rounds of fights. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I really, I liked the movie a lot more than I thought I would. I would say I'd give it a seven and a half or an eight out of 10. Um, like it's not a perfect movie by any means, um, but it is, exactly what i want out of a movie like that's about as good of a movie of that level or of that type that i'm expecting it's it's a movie that you can sit down watch it for two hours and just enjoy it with some popcorn it's it's a good popcorn flick right right hmm yeah see i would probably give it like an eight or a nine 
but I'm putting it in the category of just summer action movie, some generic summer action movie. Yeah, so I think I'd solidly of, put it at about an eight. Yeah. It's a so good is, summer action. Right. So this is also like where I would put like the Fast and Furious when that ever comes out. Like I, I it would be, it's, a, it's his own category of action, but this is only meant to entertain you once and then you, you don't buy it or you don't watch it again. Yeah. And I think that's fair. And so, yeah, I really liked it. I highly recommend it to anybody who has HBO Max. It is more than worth a free, a free viewing. And, and honestly, um, if you don't have a great place to watch it, uh, like a good TV with good, um, good for large things, go and spend a few bucks and see it in the movie theater if you can, because it's, it's a good, big, big screen movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was fun. And, and it's good enough that I actually hope it gets a sequel. Mm-hmm. Well, so what happened was they were, I can't remember the, the, the production company, but they had a contract with Toho that expired in 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, they were essentially waiting to see how this film was received. And I think this film's um, opening beat uh, Godzilla King of Monsters and it's nice. in a pandemic. So hopefully they continue to do these movies. Yeah, I would like to see more. Uh, frankly, I'd like to see more Godzilla, less Kong, uh, but I was okay with Kong. Um, but yeah. I was really happy to see like Godzilla being Godzilla. Like mm-hmm. if you turned on a 50s Godzilla movie or today, very, very similar. And that's all Godzilla needs to be. He's neither. The other thing I really liked about this movie without being giving any spoilers away is they were very true. It seems ridiculous to say true to Godzilla's character because he doesn't have, but they were very true to the fact that like Godzilla is not a good guy or a bad guy. Godzilla simply is. If you're in Godzilla's way, you're going to get destroyed. Um, He is not there to protect humanity, but he's not there to destroy humanity, but he's neither He's neither good nor bad. And this movie kept true to that, which again, seems silly to say, but I actually think that's, I think that's a big deal because that's what makes Godzilla kind of interesting in movies is like, there are humans who always are trying to understand Godzilla, but you can't understand Godzilla. He's kind of a force of nature. Right. Right. He's really, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think the, some of the, the cartoons and stuff when they make Godzilla pretty much like their pet kind of ruin Godzilla. Like there mm-hmm. was a the cartoon where they would be in trouble for like 19 minutes of the show. Then they like play some music and Godzilla pops exactly. up no matter where, where they are in the world. Solves a problem and disappears again. Exactly. And that's that's actually kind of exactly what I was thinking is that that's the problem is things like that. I had forgotten about the Godzilla cartoon until you mentioned it, but I do remember. You're welcome. Um, but that's the problem with Godzilla, with what you can do with Godzilla is make him like the defender of humankind or make him like a pet. Like that's not what Godzilla is. Like if you're in the way, Godzilla is going to kill you. He doesn't care if you're, he doesn't care about humans. He has no regard for human life. Mm-hmm. But if you right. happen to be, if you happen to be on the side of whatever he's trying to do, then he's going to, then he's going to be beneficial to you. If you're not, he's just going to destroy everything you care about. And right. that's what makes Godzilla cool. Exactly. Because they pretty much said that um, in the beginning of the movie, like he's been like laying low. Then something in the movie triggers him to start attacking again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets, like, he gets kind of drawn out and it's like, you don't mess with You don't bother him and he may leave you alone because he's not interested in anything you're doing. But if you piss him off, he's going to kill you. I, I, I liked it. I, I really genuinely enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. 
So I think next week we'll, we'll go back to the question and finish that up. Yep. Yeah, we'll and finish we'll out the question out. next week, and then maybe by then, uh, Mortal Kombat might be out. Yeah. That's and Mortal point. Kombat would be a cool one to talk about as well, because that movie uh, is actually the movie I'm most excited about, aside from the Snyder Cut hitting, um, it hitting just, it looks HBO Max. It looks fantastic. fun. It looks fun. I like Mortal Kombat. Um, I think it could be a really good movie. So, um, didn't that get pushed back a week? Maybe it might be the end of April now, but I know it's in April. So maybe, maybe that won't be our nerd topic right after question. We might have to do something else, but we'll figure it out based on when it drops. I don't remember the drop date. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was supposed to be April 16th, but I think it, it got moved to April 23rd. I think cause movies are opening up. They're actually kind of like stretching them out or moving uh, and shifting okay. around. So actually can like be in, the, in film for two weeks. Yeah. Be that in makes sense. Two weeks before they make money. Either way, I'm excited for Mortal Kombat. I actually think it'll be good. Um, that and the Matrix Four, even though I'm very skeptical of the Matrix Four. Matrix Four, um, Suicide oh, and Squad. Dune. Yeah, Dunes in October. Suicide Squad, um, Space I Jam. Th- even though I already pointed out that LeBron was trying to recoup Superman. Yeah, I got to be honest. After seeing the trailer for Space Jam, I'm less interested in Space Jam. <laughs> Like the trailer may rarely do trailers make me less interested in a movie and I will watch space jam because it's going to be free. So why not? I'm less interested in space jam today than I was a week ago after seeing their new trailer. Um, and of course I had forgotten about the suicide squad. I don't know how, but that movie act, the trailer for that actually looks really good. Yeah. That looks so, hilarious. So I'm excited for all those HBO max is going to be a good service this year. Yeah. How much is it a month? I can't remember. I, I know. Okay, it's like I know it's worth it. Just yeah, I mean that's the price movie. of one movie ticket, and that, and you're getting a new like theatrical release every month. That right. alone makes them makes it worth it. Plus all the other stuff. Uh, not that we're here to shill for HBO Max, but I actually do think it's good. But <laughs> yeah. all right. Oh, oh yeah. I also I bought some um, some shoes um, made in Austria that should get here next week. So maybe I'll do a review of those. Yes, I would be interested to hear how those go. To convince people to get away from Nike. Yes, let me let let's do an Austrian shoe review. <laughs> Perfect. That would be interesting. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to Mike and Jeff writing the right. Um, if you have any comments, questions, anything you'd like us to talk about, any topics you'd like us to hear, uh, to hit either uh, religious, political, or nerd topic, uh, please email us at Mike and Jeff at gmail.com. That is N Y M Y K E and Jeff J E F F at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and at MJ writing, right. Or follow us or like us on Facebook on our writing the right page and subscribe to our YouTube channel writing the right. Thanks again. And we'll be back next week. Thanks everyone.